Welcome to the Women Encouraged Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Berendrecht. We are all about growing in Christ and being shaped by His Word, so I'm delighted to share these conversations with Christians who love the Lord, love His Word, and are pursuing a life of faithfulness in Him. I'm praying this episode is a blessing to you and that you'll be encouraged to apply the gospel to this topic and walk faithfully with Jesus Christ. Welcome to the conversation. Well, hey there, Katie. (laughs) Um, I am here today with my lovely friend and Women Encouraged team member, um, fellow team member, Katie Morin. Welcome to you, Katie. Hi, it's good to be here. Um, I'm super thankful that we're doing this again. We haven't had a Women Encouraged chat or a WeChat for a while. I don't remember. I think the last one we did was about um, discerning. Or no, it wasn't discerning. It I think was, we, were, we were talking about um, the Bible reading challenge, I think. We talked about that, and we talked about um, renewing our minds. That was the yes. last one we had. Yes. There we okay, go. Okay, so we it has been a while, and mm-hmm. here we are. <laughs> and we just happen to be chatting way far away from each other right now because of yes, COVID. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's a, one of those lovely things that's changed the way we've done this. So mm-hmm. um, we're not in person this time, all collected around a microphone. So today we are going to be talking about vulnerability and not just vulnerability, but vulnerability from a Christian perspective. And this is such a hot topic. You know, it is. Um, you and I watched one of the things that prompted this conversation. And and this has been kind of an ongoing conversation between you and I for a while. And that was um, the thing that prompted that was the Brene Brown uh, Netflix special that mm-hmm. she had. Um, and I think a lot of people are that I know are big fans of Brene Brown. And I will reserve my my feelings until later. <laughs> but um, I, I know that she has done some some good work. And I understand that she has, she's worked very hard in her field and she considers her work as a researcher to really um, boost her ability to reach people and to be able to help them. And so I do respect that, but I would say respectfully at the same time that the perspective that she brings on the topic of vulnerability, while vulnerability is a is an important thing that the perspective that she brings is decidedly not a Christian perspective, and so that is what you and I have been wrestling through and talking through, and we're here to have some more of that conversation and share that with the listeners today. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that um, it, to a certain extent it comes down to definitions, right? Like, what is shame? What is vulnerability? Um, these are things I do think we ought to be talking about as a church that we ought to be addressing and being comfortable talking about. But I think there's, there's a definite difference in how we will approach this. So like one of the things I definitely got from her talk, which she's a very intriguing um, speaker. Like I think she's, she's good at what she does and uh, makes it very engaging. Um, so, So I definitely, like when she was talking about shame, she was definitely using it in terms of the, I'm not enough. I'm bad. That's, that's what shame is for her is that she feels like she's not enough, that she's bad in some way. Um, There's a fear of um, being disconnected and alone essentially. And, and, uh, and I definitely would say that that's, that can be a definite part of our lives here. But I think that for a Christian shame is more than that. Oftentimes, like usually, uh, and and I'm talking not necessarily about shame, about things that have been done to you in this 
you know, that, that some people carry that sort of a shame, but the shame of, of like, I am that like for her, I don't think sin would enter into it. The fact that you would feel bad for something you genuinely are. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's one of the really important reasons why we need to understand the definitions here, because when she talks about shame, what she mostly means is just feeling bad about the person that you are and not actually um, like as a Christian, if I felt shame about something, that'd be something I needed to bring to the Lord and really examine in light of scripture. Like, did I sin? Okay. If I didn't sin, do I need to feel bad about this? You know, and, and really evaluate it with, through the lens of scripture and not be just taking on everybody else's expectations or feelings about this. And I had a great conversation. If you want to listen to something, um, if you're listening to this and you want to hear some more about this, I had a great conversation with Jasmine Holmes about expectations. And so that's going to relate to this a little bit here. But when it comes to shame as Christians, we deal with shame completely different than the world does. And the world wants to stuff shame or completely um, just get rid of it as a concept. Like you shouldn't feel ashamed about anything about who you are. You know, you do you. And that's mm-hmm. that is the mantra of the world. Yeah. And I think, too, like something about shame is like some shame is something that is within ourselves. Right. Like very deeply ingrained. It defines shame defines who we are in some ways, like what we are ashamed of. And then oftentimes we try to solve that problem of shame by doing something or explaining it away Shame is going to be something that we all have to deal with, but it's something that we can't solve on our own, right? We can't solve it by explaining it away. We can't solve it by redefining it as just something like a mistake or as something that I feel bad about but shouldn't. Because deep down, Mm -hmm. I think there's a part of us that always knows that that's, to a certain extent, we we know it's true, right? And we're not going to be able to solve it by convincing ourselves otherwise right yeah yeah absolutely and i i think that goes back to you know needing to define our terms and also looking at what the standard that she's operating with is so i think that's very important to recognize that for brene her research and her data is really her scripture Mm -hmm. that's how she interprets the world is through you know, she will regularly bring that up, like the data says or the research says, and that's very important to her. And so like you and I would say, well, we would say God's word says, or, you know, the Lord says this about us or something like that. So whenever you're going to bring facts into the conversation, or you're going to bring something that that you want to determine is true or define as, as truth, you have to have a standard by which you define truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you're going to base it on the research, like I, I totally know that she's done a lot of research into this and that makes a lot of sense, but. But research has to be interpreted mm -hmm. and it isn't just a standalone fact. It has to be interpreted and everybody has a worldview that they interpret research by. And so if your worldview says that, you know, we evolved from monkeys and this is just how people at, or rather organisms at these temperatures and conditions express themselves, well, you know, anything goes. But if you're a Christian who says, you know, I'm made in the image of God and I'm called to belong to Jesus Christ. And because I belong to Christ, this is how I'm going to look at myself. This is how I'm going to look at my world. And this is how I'm going to look at research and people's 
um, reporting on on data and that kind of mm-hmm. thing because data isn't just isolated from um, the truth. It has to be seen through the lens of God's truth in order to be properly and biblically and and interpreted in a Christian way. Well, because it comes down to the why question, like why? So yeah. we feel shame, right? That's a normal human emotion. Um, so what? why? Like, do we feel that we're not good enough or that we're bad because of something of the external forces telling us that and we just happen to believe it? Or is it because deep down we know it's true? Do deep down, do we, as as they say, as it says in the Bible, that we have the word of the law of God written on our hearts, so we understand how we or other people have fallen short, and it and it fills us with shame. Right. And is it a situation of you know godly guilt that's going to lead us to repentance, or is it a situation of worldly guilt that just makes us feel bad and doesn't really produce anything in us? Right. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I I know I've had lots of times where I've felt shame. And I've had to ask that question, yeah. right? Where is this something that I do need to change in myself? And not, and, right. and I shouldn't say change in myself. Is this something that God needs to change in me? Because <laughs> it's not by right. my own effort. Because again, then you're spot, sliding down that slippery slope of I can fix it myself, right? Because yeah. this isn't. And this isn't, we're not bootstrapping this. <laughs> no, no, this isn't something that if the problem is ourselves, ourselves can't fix it. Right. Like, and that's that is a huge point to make in this whole conversation because, you know, this whole you do you and um, just be yourself and um, embrace who you're made to be. But then the whole you're enough, none of that works together no. <laughs> because if you have a problem and if you are sad or lonely or broken, you are not enough. You know that you're not enough. And so you bring your not enoughness to Jesus mm-hmm. and you lay it down and you say, God, I have nothing to offer you. And he gives you everything in yeah. return. And that is the beauty of the gospel that we come to God filthy and broken and he gives us, he doesn't just take our brokenness and say, well, I'll see what I can do with this. You know, he, <laughs> he took all of our sin on himself and in exchange for that, he gives us his robes of righteousness. And it is such an amazing, miraculous thing. So it's for a Christian woman to, you know, adopt a, a mentality and a perspective that says, you know, I'm enough. Well, that really is an insult to Jesus. And it's, I believe it's an affront to the gospel to say, well, I'm enough and I just need to believe in my enoughness. You know, yeah. that's, you are, you're saying, Jesus, I didn't really need you that much, you know? No. And, and I think that the world tends to put a high priority too on the, I'll call it a cult of brokenness, right? And yeah, I think Brene Brown kind of talks about this because I feel like she would almost idolize it because we, we talked a lot about this one quote um, where she talks about uh, you need to be in the arena getting your butt kicked, right? Yeah. So being broken, being beat up, being hurt. Um, so, so that they put a high value on that, right? Whereas that's our identity. And it comes down to identity, honestly. Uh, Identity, Mm -hmm. our identity isn't in our brokenness and should never be. Um, The God, yes, he desires a contrite and a broken spirit, but that spirit is going to be, that is the spirit of repentance. That is the spirit of coming to God, knowing that he can fulfill all that you need and all that you ask. Um, 
but he doesn't t- come in and say, hi, my broken little children, I'm going to accept you here and, and just leave you as you are broken. And that's going to be what defines you from now on, because we're not defined right. that way anymore. Yeah. So what you were referencing was actually the quote by Teddy Roosevelt that it's not the critic who counts. Uh, it's not the man who points out, I think it points out, you know, what you're doing wrong. And Brene Brown likes to quote this. And she says, you know, that the credit belongs to the man in the arena. And the way that she interprets living in the arena is like showing up and taking chances and getting your butt kicked and whatever. And and she says that vulnerability, so we're kind of switching gears here from shame to vulnerability. Mm-hmm. They're very related, but vulnerability is having the courage to show up when you can't control the outcome. Now, I this is a hard thing for me because I understand what she mm-hmm. means by that. But again, we're going back to how how is she defining her terms? And so she talks about how vulnerability is not weakness. And I do agree yeah, that's true. that vulnerability is not weakness. Okay. But when you take that and then you turn it into something that says, if you're not in the arena, quote, getting your butt kicked. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's not a, the way I generally talk, but let's just go with it for now. Um, Then she says, I'm not interested in or open to your feedback about my work. Now there's, there's a big problem here because again, how do you define being brave, being courageous? How would, you know, that varies from person to person. You can't just lay out this blanket statement and say that it has to be this way or else I won't listen to you. And so again, how do you define how do you define brave? How do you define putting yourself out there? I mean, it's very vague and it's very subjective. And so in a way, that's what makes it appealing, mm-hmm. I think, to a lot of women because there's room in there for a lot of there's a lot of wiggle room in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well and I think this is this is her 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 way of dealing with shame, right? So the way right. you deal with shame in her world um and and just in the world in general is talking about it admitting to it uh sharing about it uh and Mm -hmm. and i think that's it's not a horrible principle it's not a horrible principle because i think that's something as christians we have struggled with we have struggled with dealing with sin in our midst in our churches and our families etc and we instead of dealing with it instead of talking about it and and bringing it to light we hide it. Right. So the idea of being that kind of having that kind of vulnerability, it makes sense, but that's her solution. Like it's, it's literally, you have shame, be vulnerable, but only be vulnerable with people who you vetted (laughs) basically, um, who have earned it. Yeah. And that makes you the standard. So in, in her case, it's making her the standard. And if I was going to do that, that I would be making myself the standard. I would say I'm the standard for what I determine is vulnerability. I determine mm-hmm. what's courage. I determine all these things. And not every person can be the standard. That is just not even possible. You cannot do that. It doesn't work. The math doesn't check out. No. and But I, I, I get where she's saying, just on the flip side, I get where she's saying you don't necessarily want to share certain things with everybody right no but i think and, that and vulnerability isn't like she said it's not tweeting your or live <laughs> tweeting something that is very 
intimate and personal. Mm -hmm. Have you found any good resources on the topic of shame? I wanted to bring one up, but did you have any um, that you've appreciated? Katie? I, I I have been reading, um, like I, I mentioned this book, but um, there's a book by Felicia Basenheimer I just finished called Stop Calling Me Beautiful. Um, but she does have a chapter yeah. in there about shame, which I thought was yeah. really helpful. Um, I might reference some of it in our conversation, depending on what happens. But I thought that she, she uh, talked a lot about her own um, struggles with shame and how, how she dealt with it. And it's beautiful and biblical and I thought was really helpful. Yeah. I wanted to also mention um, Ed Welch has an excellent book called Shame Interrupted, How God Lifts the Pain of Worthlessness and Rejection. And I would really recommend and commend that to anyone who is wanting to explore why they feel shame or what God does with our shame and how he deals with it. And so it's a very, very good resource as well. Um, I want to also kind of switch this a little bit into talking about the Christian view. Mm -hmm. So we've talked quite a bit now about some of the issues and one of some of the reasons why it doesn't check out the whole um, non-Christian view of shame and vulnerability. We'll probably go a little more into that later, but I want to talk about for a minute what God does with us as Christians. When we bring our brokenness to him, he transforms us. And um, instead of being the standard, mm -hmm. instead of making us the standard, he he still is the standard. And he has given us in his word a way of evaluating our position, our place, and and really how we relate to one another. And so instead of saying to somebody, you know, I'm not willing to hear from you, you're not, I'm not seeing you getting out there and really getting roughed up by being courageous or vulnerable or whatever, we would do well to look to Philippians 2, where Paul says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Mm -hmm. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. And it goes on from there. Um, but one of the things that really stands out to me in that passage is that, first of all, we have been given the mind of Christ. Mm -hmm. So as believers, whether or not I am being vulnerable or you're being vulnerable isn't something that disqualifies me from having participation with other believers. And so we don't ever want to be vulnerable just for the sake of being vulnerable. Or it's, We're not vulnerable for vulnerability's <laughs> sake. You know, it's no. not, um, that's not how we do things. But when vulnerability serves to advance the gospel, when it serves to build up others, then it's gospel-centered Christian vulnerability. And one thing that's so key in this is humility and counting others more significant than ourselves. And so Christian vulnerability is going to look several different ways, but it's it's not going to look like live tweeting some things that are very inappropriate to share with people or, you know, I mean, yeah. it's not just like you have to tell everybody how you feel about everything. It's not just having to say what's hard all the time, but vulnerability 
is something that, you know, we open ourselves up in order to let Jesus be seen and not um, to just share us. You know, we're we're here to shine pointing to him. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think like if, if you look at what she says, so shame for her, like I said, was um, I'm not enough. I'm bad. And her answer to that is the vulnerability bit. But the ultimate answer for her would be that you are enough and you're not bad. Right. So, so convincing yourself of that. Whereas for the Christian, yeah, we're looking at when you say something like, I am not enough. The Christian answer is you're right. I am not enough. Yes. And when you're saying that I've, I'm bad, you're just like, I am a sinner. I stand condemned ultimately um, along with the rest of humanity. But the beauty of the story, the beauty of the Christian story is that it doesn't end there. It doesn't end with those answers. Like for her, if we were to answer it that way, she would say, oh, well, that's terrible. Like that's, how that could you? Tragedy yeah, <laughs> it's, it would be hor- horrific. Yeah. Nobody no, that doesn't, that doesn't sound like good news. Let's put it that way. It does not sound like good news, but the beauty of the gospel is that it is good news. It is good news because we serve a God who, like it says in second Corinthians, uh, my grace is sufficient for you or my power is made perfect in my weakness. So like when Paul talks about boasting in his weakness, he's not talking about saying I'm super broken. Hooray for me. Like, look at my brokenness. He's saying the power of the Christ of, so that the power of Christ may rest in me for when I am weak, then I am strong right? Like the power of God is shown through our weakness, right? It's not our weakness that's on display. It's his strength. And anytime you hear Paul talking in the epistles about his own struggles, where he's being very vulnerable, he's talking about struggling with different things. And every single opportunity he has, when he brings these things up, he's pointing directly back to Christ and saying, it doesn't matter about these things, like these things were dealt with, these things were taken care of on the cross. And now these weaknesses, these things that where I am not enough, Christ is shown to be even more great and glorious through them. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah, it is so beautiful, Katie. I love that you brought that up. And I it also made me think about in Second Corinthians 4, I mean, you can just read through the whole chapter, but really it just highlights the fact that for the Christian vulnerability, the point of any vulnerability is to point to Jesus. You could read this in light of what the world wants to make you believe about vulnerability. Paul says, we have this ministry by the mercy of God. We do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And then he goes on about how, you know, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. Um, And then he says, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, Mm -hmm. but Jesus Christ as Lord. And I think, and he talks later, those famous passages about having this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And, and and then he goes on and he's more vulnerable about everything that they've suffered. So it's not like he doesn't tell them. It's not like he hides it from them. No. But he is saying that all of this and all of our sharing with you is not to proclaim ourselves, but to show that the power belongs to God. And so our not enoughness is exactly what God wants from us. He wants us to bring our not enoughness to him mm-hmm. and to show that the power belongs to God. That's why we have this treasure in jars of clay. It's because he wants the glory. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and like, even when you look at that, where it's like, I, I'll be vulnerable with you when, when Brene Brown talks about being vulnerable and she talks about, you know, you need to be in the arena, you know, getting beat up and mm-hmm. it's like, we don't have to do that because someone did it for us. <laughs> right? right. Christ, yeah. Christ was the one who sat down and experienced that for us. So we don't have to say I'm getting down and and dirty and I'm fighting my own battles and I'm being super vulnerable this way because this is something that we can rely on Christ to do that he has done already. Yeah. It's, and that's such an encouraging thought too, for the Christian, because it's not on me, you know, I'm I'm not the one carrying this load and this weight. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about some things that come up in this special. I think if somebody's watched this special, they're going to understand, but if you haven't watched it, this is not a requirement to go get a Netflix account and go watch the show, but it's a it's a common thing that comes up, and that is to talk about how vulnerability relates to belonging. And one thing that she says, and I know that this comes up in her books as well, is that vulnerability is the path back to each other. And this is a really important thing to her. This she feels that this is really the the tie that ends up binding us is our vulnerability. And so belonging is a huge part of this story for her. And one thing that she says is that the opposite of belonging is fitting in. And I definitely agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think that we spend a lot of time as Christian women trying to fit in. Um, it's a painful thing to watch somebody else go through, but it's even more painful, I think, to find out you've been doing it and maybe you failed or something like that, or maybe you succeeded at fitting in, but you're not really living faithfully um, or you're not being who God designed for you to be. And so um, I 100% agree that the opposite of belonging is fitting in. I think that's really um I think that's an important point. However, when she talks about belonging, this is huge. Mm-hmm. She says that belonging is belonging to yourself first. It's speaking your truth, telling telling your truth, never betraying yourself for somebody else. And so I would just plead with every Christian woman to see this for what it is. It is a lie. And it's going to hurt you. And I want to talk a little bit about why that is. The first reason being that we don't we don't um, engage in vulnerability in order to reject shame and therefore find a way to belong. If we engage vulnerability in vulnerability, like we talked about, it's for the purpose of pointing to Jesus. But as a Christian, if you belong to Christ. You are already on the inside. You mm-hmm. are already belonging. You do not engage in any specific behaviors, um, vulnerability, shame, rejection, anything like that, in order to belong. Jesus makes you belong, and therefore you belong. You do not have to go through the difficult path of courage and vulnerability in order to belong. That is not how it works. And No, I can see that. I, it's It's a... I remember experiencing lots of stuff like that growing up and even as an adult, right? Like the idea that you want, you want to feel like you belong with a group of some sort or that you're wanted, I guess. Um, I think like one of the things that she brought up that Brene Brown, sorry, she stopped calling her she. One of the things that Brene Brown keeps bringing up is that, you know, you belong when the people you are with love you despite or because of your faults like she she, like again it becomes that badge of honor it's like here you love them because of that and 
And I've always felt the greatest sense of belonging, not with people who are just like, oh, that's just Katie. That's just how she is. We love her anyway. Right. right? I feel the greatest yeah. sense of belonging. You were saying somebody comes up to me and says, Katie, maybe you shouldn't have said it that way. Maybe mm. when they're, when they, when they're not content to leave me there, when they're not, and, and just like Christ, Christ is not content just to leave us where we're at. Right. We belong already, but we're not just staying there. We're not, it's, we're not just this static person who just is like, here, this is where they are and that's it. We're progressing. We're growing and not just growing in deeper self-knowledge and self-awareness, but growing in holiness, growing to become the people of God, to become the image yeah. of God. So belonging, like to me, like it, it, her view of belonging is more like a, a, a fan club where everybody pats each other on the back a little bit and said, you go girl. And I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't have that. I, I do appreciate a good old you go girl every so often too, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's not the point of it. Like the best friends I've ever had have been the ones who have taken me aside and said, you need to not do this <laughs> because yeah. this is not. And, and for her, like, I would have to vet them at this point, right? Like, well, are you fighting your battles? Like, are you, are you, are you doing the right thing too? Because you shouldn't be coming to me telling me how to fight my battles. If I don't know for sure you're fighting yours. Um, right. And I, and that puts a lot on you. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, like any sort of, and I'm not saying that every, everybody would do this. Who's, who's listened to her, but I'm, I'm looking at it in terms of like, where does this end up? Right. How does right. how does this work itself out in the long term? Like, of course, you're not going to yeah. do that with your friends initially, but eventually the people who are challenging you, you're just going to be like, um, I'm going to like cut you off from my vulnerability right. circle and I'm going to move on to these other people. And I, that's another really important point is that. I mean, some people are just adopting this because it's it sounds good and it's it's very appealing. You know, it sounds like wisdom for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to break it down and you're going to start looking at the parts that make the whole, you need to examine where is the trajectory going to land you in the end. And one thing that is very disconcerting to me mm -hmm. is watching who links arms with Brene. This is not inconsequential. This is not an accident who links arms with her. Because in the end, what these people want is a free pass. Mm -hmm. People who want to say that Jesus doesn't have anything to say about how I live my life. People who want to call God a she. People who want to believe that Jesus just wants them to be happy. Mm -hmm. and, and when you follow the trail of these women who have linked arms... One of the women that you land at is Gloria Steinem. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's an accident. When you live your life with a you do you, I do me kind of a mentality, when you get to decide who speaks into your life, when you are the standard by which someone's advice or counsel is determined whether that's true or not, um, when your scripture is only the data and not the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, you end up on a road that leads ultimately to suffering. And the only way that you end up trying to mitigate that, or, you know, you think you can mitigate the suffering mm -hmm. is by eliminating the voices in your life that are speaking negatively to you. You and I talk, have talked about how Brene is hitting a pain point for people. Mm -hmm. She is 
touching on something that is difficult and painful for people. But she's not giving them real answers. She's giving them answers that sound good, and maybe they're working for a few minutes here and there. But they are not lasting eternal answers that are going to provide the comfort that only Jesus can give them. And when it comes to belonging, I think one of the passages that always comes to my mind is in Romans 15. This answers so much of what Brene talks about and what she teaches. Paul says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Mm -hmm. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And it just makes me really thankful that my belonging isn't based on what I've done and what I've managed to pull together or the tribe that I've gathered for myself, but that Christ has welcomed me for the glory of God Mm -hmm. and that the point of belonging, the point of my belonging and living in harmony with other believers and laying my life down and pleasing the weak and bearing with the failings of the weak and, and doing good to my neighbors. The whole point of that is so that together with one voice, we glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. That is the goal of belonging. And that is the goal of vulnerability. And I'm really praying, if you're listening to this, that you will consider how you've been looking at these concepts. Yeah. And and that's not to say that shame won't still enter into our lives. No. Or, or that we won't. That goes back to the it garden. It goes back right? to the garden. I mean, but I think one of the things that I, I that she talks about, Brene talks about, is that the desire to be seen and we are seen, we are always were seen, right? Like when Adam and Eve tried to hide their shame, they couldn't, even if they tried, they tried, they couldn't, because God sees it all. And so shame is going to be that's such a comfort. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a comfort that we serve the God who sees. Yeah. And I, and there's a verse in First John, First John 3, because it, it is something that, like I said, we are all going to deal with, it's going to be a part of us. So she's not wrong. Renee's not wrong in in talk, wanting to talk about this. But we need to know that, as as John says in First John three, that whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts. Yes, amen. So we can't listen to that voice. We know that we have been saved. We know that we have been redeemed. We know that we are being sanctified constantly. There are going to be times where we do struggle with shame, where we do need to share with somebody and tell tell somebody about our struggles. I highly encourage that. I think that we do mm-hmm. need to find people in our lives where we need to share that, but we're not sharing it so that we can talk about, so we can dwell on that, but we talk about it so that we can rely more heavily on Christ and his work and yeah. build each other up in encouragement and therefore build that body of Christ so that that sense of belonging, it becomes more palpable and more 
clear to the world around us. Amen. Yeah. I mean, I think it goes back to one of the questions that you and I wrestled with when we were first processing this was, what are you going to do with your shame? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's a question we all need to ask ourselves. What are you going to do with the shame that you feel? It's not going to dissolve. We know that. So are you going to stuff it or are you going to give it to Jesus? Mm -hmm. And the thing that is really failing women and men too. But I, I think of a lot of women that I know who are walking down this road where, you know, Brene Brown is really kind of the, for lack of a better term, she's kind of the high priestess of belonging and vulnerability for them. Mm-hmm. And what she's offering them though, isn't Jesus. It isn't an actual place to give your shame and to be clothed with righteousness, to be clothed with, you know, covered with God's mercy, to be to be brought in to the family. That's not what she's giving them. And so all of her her tactics, while they might be laudable for their goal, they're not doing what Jesus does for us. And so they're empty. And yeah, that's they really a hard, it's a hard thing to say to somebody, you know, hey, I understand you're hurting and I understand that you are feeling like nobody understands who you are and what you've been through. But Jesus does. And that's, mm-hmm. that's going to give somebody hope. You know, vulnerability for Brene, she says it leads to empathy and trust and creativity and inclusivity, innovation, problem solving, and ethical decision making. The thing is that vulnerability might do some of those things. But the reality is that as Christians, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is going to produce the beautiful fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. as we walk in step with the spirit. And so our creativity, our inclusivity, our uh, our problem solving, our empathy is going to be reflective of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, but also in a way that actually benefits the body of Christ. It's not for us. It's not to benefit us. And so it's, I think it's really important to talk about and, and just really think through, you know, why why am i being vulnerable what do i think mm-hmm. about vulnerability have i looked at that in terms of what god says about it and and how does the gospel relate to this and yeah. i'm really thankful we had this chat katie <laughs> <laughs> it all points to jesus it our, yeah. everything has to point to jesus if it's pointing back to you it's a false gospel if yeah, if the solution is found in you it's a false gospel the solution is always and has always been Jesus. You can take your shame to him. You can be vulnerable with him. He knows your frame. He knows your heart. And um, he can take all of those things and use them to glorify himself. Thanks so much, Katie. I'm so thankful that we had this chat and that we're sharing it with the Women Encouraged community. Um, it's been a real, it's been a lot of fun uh, visiting with you. Life. <laughs> Yeah. So the next Women Encouraged chat or the next WeChat that we're having is an Ask Us Anything episode. If you want to have us discuss a topic or have a question for us, send us an email at info at womenencouraged.ca or you can find us on social media. You can send it in there as well. And we're excited to be back with you soon. Our next episode is actually with our friend, Summer Yeager. Um, She's talking with me about feminism and progressive views. You're not going to want to miss this chat. Thanks so much for joining us again, friends.